Welcome to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski. Hey, coaches, before we get going today, I just wanted to thank you for all you've been doing to support this podcast. And we have an incredible lineup coming up here. We have just about every major college conference represented. We have a ton of FBS coaches, Division II coaches, Division Three coaches, some great high school fo- football coaches coming on the podcast to share with you and help you grow professionally during this time. I really appreciate all of you asking your questions on Twitter. Please follow me at Coach K Grabowski for our daily updates on our guests and your opportunity to ask questions. We will read them on the show and attribute those to you. Um, so please contribute to the show as much as you can. I also want to talk to you a little bit about our football development model, which is something we've rolled out here at USA Football. And this is really for you to uh, be able to help your youth football programs develop. It's about a long-term athlete development plan and something that comes off of the American development model, which is something that the USOC has put together. The idea is that we're able to teach skills in a progression starting at the youngest ages. We're also looking at the different game types we have, whether that's flag, which is non-contact, limited contact games like padded flag or tackle bar and full contact and the right progressions for contact teaching there as well. Be sure to check out all we do at footballdevelopment.com and check out what we're doing with the FDM, the football development model at usafootball.com backslash fdm.usafootball.com. Joining me on the podcast today is a repeat performer. The last time he was with us, he was the running backs coach at Auburn. He's now the running back coach at Vanderbilt. And he's had an incredible career of developing great running backs. So we're really excited to have him back again and talk a little bit of ball, talk a little bit about running play. The running backs coach for Vanderbilt, Coach Tim Horton. Coach, great to be talking ball with you again. Hey, Keith. Great to be here with you and the listeners and excited about the day. Well, Coach, you know, as, as I mentioned, you've been with us before, and I will link to our previous podcast with Coach so you can hear you know, a little bit about his background and his coaching journey and the path he's taken. But we do have some questions here from you, Coach, from some listeners, and I, I have some questions for you myself. So we'll just get right into those. And Coach Adam Wilson, who's from Georgia, wants to know what advice you have for young coaches right now to be able to better coach their players? First, I appreciate the question, Adam. And I really think that for, for not just the young coach, but from, from every coach, I think the, the idea of constant development. I, I know that uh, this will be my 32nd year in Division One football. It'll be my 14th straight year in the SEC. And just the the daily and the weekly and the monthly and the yearly willingness to grow is what I see the best coaches do. And so you can learn from, from everybody. One of the great things about spring recruiting, and I certainly hope we get to do that, is I'm able to get out there and get into high schools and watch teams in spring practice and watch teams in weight rooms and off-season programs and whatever. And those are great learning opportunities for me as a coach. 
And so I think just the mindset of growing and improving as a coach and the willingness to learn from anybody, of whether it's a clinic, whether it's going to watch someone spring practice, whether it's whatever it may be, just that willingness to be active and, and be very intentional about trying to improve and get better. Coach also wants to know about how you've adapted over your career. You have been at some different places. The places you've been at have experienced change while you've been there. And, and I think you would agree, Coach, that that's probably a very important skill set to have in this profession is to be able to adapt. So how have you adapted over your coaching career? Well, you know, to me, coaching is about relationships and it's about being able to work well with you know, the people that you, that, that you work with, whether it's the head coach, the offensive coordinator, the other assistants, the graduate assistants, the student assistants, the analysts, but ultimately and most importantly, the players. And so I, I think probably as important a trait, as in, important a skill set that you have in coaching, it's just your willingness to be a good teammate. And so that's something that whoever I've worked for, and I've worked for some elite coaches from Fisher to Barry to Jerry Moore to Houston Nutt to Derek Mason. Bobby Petrino was a great coach. I played for a guy named Ken Hatfield who was outstanding. And, you know, just for me, whatever my role is, whatever my responsibilities were, just to do it the very best that you could and always encompass and always put the team first and just trying to be a good teammate to, to, to everyone in the program. Coach, you, you know, you mentioned a little bit about watching players right here, and I do have a couple questions for you about the recruiting side of it and what high school coaches can do to help out that process. So uh, Coach Wilson asked, what can we as high school coaches do to help our kids get recruited, and what makes a good visit for you to a high school as far as, you know, how you're treated there as well as, you know, what you're looking for when you come through that door. Well, first off, in, in touching base with, hey, what, what are we looking for? And really, again, I've been very fortunate my whole career. Uh, I, I've coached at the Division One level. And so, particularly in the SEC, you're, you're going into a school and you're trying to recruit a, a, a pretty – you know, it, it's more than likely it's the best player on their team. But there's seven qualities and seven attributes that I'm always going to look for when we're recruiting a kid, whether it was at Arkansas, at Vanderbilt, at Auburn, at Kansas State, wh wh wherever I've been. Uh, number one, and, and, and probably in terms of the physical part of the game, particularly in the league that we're in, is the speed component. You, you know, you you got to have players that can run. And and not necessarily a 40-yard time or a 100-meter time, but players that can, can, uh, can change directions and burst and accelerate and, and cut off linebackers and pull and, and run sideline to sideline to make tackles. And so you're looking for that speed and quickness first. Second is you're always looking for size, whether, whether we like it or not, at the highest level of football, I mean, you just don't – there's some great offensive linemen that play high school football that are 5'10", 240 pounds. But you just you, – you're not going to be able to get away with something like that, you know, at, at the highest level. So we like to look for size. It's, it's really interesting. I've been fortunate enough to coach a lot of running backs that are 
have played and are playing in the NFL. And there's not one running back that I've coached, and I think it's it's over 20, that is under 200 pounds that went on to the NFL. So there's some great, great, great small running backs. And there's some running backs that play in the NFL that are under 200 pounds. But in my experience, hey, that kid's got to be, you know, uh, on the way to and beyond at least 200 pounds. So your speed, your size, your strength level, there's a certain strength level. All those different running backs that I've coached over the years, there's not one that I can say was not good in the weight room. They enjoyed the weight room. They knew the importance of the weight room and the strength component, not necessarily how much they bench pressed or power cleaned or squatted, but really how the the strength component helped keep them healthy. The fourth thing that that we look for is, is savvy. I mean, is this guy that has it? Is he the guy that, you know, can make the throw, make the catch, make the sack, make the block, make the run? that he's the guy that's going to influence the game, whatever the position may be. So those are the first four things, speed, size, strength, savvy. Fifth would be toughness because I think, you know, the component of toughness, the guys you're going to compete with not only in practice every day but against every Saturday are some tough dudes, and you better have that in your in your hoster. You're not going to be able to be successful. The, the sixth one would be football intelligence. Really – that's most prevalent probably for the quarterback position, but it's really every position. On defense, it's that safety that can make the adjustments to the formations and the motions and the shifts. And same thing for the linebackers. But can they uh, can they process things quickly and make quick decisions because the game is, is moving so fast? And then the last component that we're going to look for, and, and again, it may be the, the most important one, is do they love football? And, and when you talk about do they love football, I think you're in, encompassing there all the intangibles. Is this a kid that's got the character? Because if he's a knucklehead, that means to me that, well, he doesn't love football because he's a knucklehead and he's going to go do silly things that, that's not going to allow him to play football. Does he take care of his business in the classroom? Does he take care of does his work ethic show on and off the field? Does he have a good attitude? Does, is he respectful to people? All those things to me encompass the does he love football. So that's, that's what we're looking for when we go try to find a recruit. Once you get into the school, I think one of the most impressive things for me is when you walk into that school and, and, and that high school coach or that high school recruiting coordinator who handles the recruiting aspect for things is very, very organized. Hey, here's a list of our prospects. Here's their names. Here's their addresses, their phone numbers, their parents' names, their Twitter handle, their email address. Here's something about their family. And and uh, it's, it's really interesting because some of the best programs that you go into are also some of the best and most organized programs you go into. And, hey, they're going to have a list for the 2021 class, the 22 class, the 23 class, and they're just like what we talk about with our players. Be a pro before you're a pro. That's something we'll always tell these running backs that I've coached over the years. Be a pro before you're a pro. And that's the way it is when you go into a high school. And the teams that, my experiences, the teams that have had a lot of success over the years and won state championships, 
you walk out of that school and you say, huh, I can see how and why they've been successful. So that's kind of a long answer to a short question, but hope it helps. No, definitely. And, and I'm looking through coach Randy Coleman had that as well. And he also had a note about you that I wanted to share. He said, you are one of the classiest men in the business. There's never a Friday night that goes by without a text from coach Horton to be a difference maker, handwritten cards, you are a difference maker and a role model. So that was that was his message to you, Coach. So very appreciative for what you've done as well. Well, I appreciate that. Randy Coleman is a great coach. He's done a super job at Jonesboro High School in Jonesboro, Arkansas, for many, many years. And Coach Coleman's like so many other people in this in this profession, and in the sense that there is no telling how many lives that Randy Coleman and and so many, if not all of your listeners today have made a difference in the lives of young people. And ultimately that's what it's all about because, Hey, I know high school coaches made a difference in my life. Uh, My college coaches made a difference in my life. And, and hopefully, you know, that's most, if not all of the listeners goal and mission is to be difference makers in these kids' lives. Coach, you shared some traits you were looking for, but want to talk a little bit about how you're training some of those traits and continuing to develop those in your running back. So just starting out with, you know, thinking about day one, right? Day one camp or day one of spring, whatever it might be. What's the message that sets the tone for these guys as far as what they're going to be as far as Vanderbilt running backs? Well, I, I think first is the mindset of improvement. I mean, there, there's you, you've got to recruit them, you've got to develop them, and you've got to coach them. And and uh, the development phase is so so important. I think first and foremost, it starts with your strength and conditioning program. It starts with your speed development program. And and we've got great strength coaches here at Vanderbilt where I was previously, Auburn, Arkansas, Kansas State, the Air Force Academy, Appalachian State. We had great strength coaches. And so there's that component of development. But for me, once they get to the running back room, there's really four skills that you've got to, you've got to master to be a, a quality running back. Number one, you've you got to be a, a runner. That's why they call you running backs. I mean, you are, you're the guy that runs the ball. And so – how can you evade a tackler? How can you get by a defender? Well, to me, there's three ways that you get by a defender. Number one, you, you can outrun them. Well, the way you improve that, you improve your speed, your quickness, your agility. Number two, you, you can make somebody miss. You can juke the guy. And so one of the things that we like to do in practice is we're going to work every team rep when – you know, you're not playing tackle football and they're just tagging off on the runner. I want that runner to work his skill set, which means trying to make the safety miss, trying to make somebody miss. And then the third way to evade a defender is to break a tackle. And so really the way that I try to set up drills is if I've got 15 minutes of individual drill work during the course of a, a practice, for five minutes, it's going to be something to improve themselves as a runner. It, it might be some bag drills. It might be going through the blaster. It might be a sideline explosion drill. But things where we work on making somebody miss, breaking a tackle, 
or accelerating past somebody. The second component for running backs is just is catching the football. And I've always felt like catching the football, and I played receiver in college at the University of Arkansas, but I've always felt like catching was much like a golfer putting. The best way to get better at putting is to putt. The best way to get better at shooting a free throw is to shoot a free throw. To me, the best way to get better at catching a football is catching as many footballs as you can. So uh, pre-practice every day, we're going to get on that judge machine. If we have a little window of time during practice or before practice, we're going to do old school ball drills where it's just those drills that you did in seventh grade football and, and work to improve your, your hand-eye coordination and your quick tuck and, and things of that nature. And then if we have five minutes of, of individual time, besides as a runner, as a receiver, I've always loved to just spend time with those quarterbacks, whatever routes it may be, option routes, swing routes, delay routes, whatever you do offensively, let's work on those things with the quarterbacks. So you've got it as a runner, you've got it as a catcher, you've got it as a, as a blocker. Now for me in, in the offense at Vanderbilt, I don't, we don't really play with a fullback. So most of our blocking encompasses pass protection. And so every day for five minutes, if we've got individual time, five minutes running, five minutes catching, five minutes as a blocker, most of that time I'll use in pass protections. And, and a lot of that time is spent with the inside or outside linebackers just working with them. They're working on a pass rush. We're working on, on keeping them from the quarterback and, and all those fundamentals that that encompasses. And then really the fourth thing that a running back will do besides run, catch, block is to fake. Now, faking is not something I spend a lot of individual time on, but it is something we'll emphasize and incorporate once we get into team settings. And so to me, faking is a lot about the effort component and just making your, your passes, your play action passes look like those runs. And so those are the four things that we try to do. If I get 15 minutes of individual time each day, five minutes will be spent as a runner, five minutes will be spent as a catcher, five minutes will be spent as a blocker. Coach, I'd, I'd like to dig into that faking part a lot. It's it's not talked about very often. I did have a coach from Alaska, state champion, come on and, and talked about how they actually grade the fake and evaluate the fake and you flip on their film. You talk about something that's just become part of their culture. There's dudes running 20 yards downfield like they have the football being chased by, by defenders, and the ball's on the other side of the field. So that's the stuff that's fun to watch. So, you know, we don't talk about it enough, though, the, the key points in making a fake, right? So what are some of those key coaching points to being able to make a good ball fake and peel away, you know, that linebacker or that safety that now you open up a route and have a big play? Well, you're, you're exactly right, Keith. And that's something that at Vanderbilt, I think we've really done a nice job of. And number one, I call it the three P's of faking. I think there's three things. And, and again, I try to make things as simple as I can because I want the guys, when, when they leave Vanderbilt, not only do we want them to have one of the top 15 degrees in the world, we want them to have a master's degree in football. And so we talk about the three P's of faking. And, and first is making sure that you make a good pocket. So most of, you know, you're faking a play action pass 
off of what your best runs are, whether it's a, a power play or a inside zone play or an outside zone play. And so the first thing you want to do is make sure you make a good pocket. Second is you want to make sure you're on the same path or the same track that you would be. If we're running the outside zone, we want to make the pocket, we want to make the path look just like you would if you're running that outside zone play where you're handing it off. And then the last thing is, is what is what we call the pace of it. We want to make sure that that thing is ran at full speed pace with a good shoulder level. My shoulders are over my toes. I'm making a good pocket. I've got a good path. I'm running at a good pace. And then really one of the things that we've started doing is we've started giving them a yard line to take that fake on out path. So, for example, when we fake an outside zone and try to throw a pass off of it, we're going to tell that running back, hey, I want you to run 10 yards downfield before you react to the pass. And so we've given them actually a landmark of how far we want them to take that fake. And you're exactly right, Keith. One of the things that we'll do at problem just about every day is I'll show those guys examples on video in our meetings of, hey, you pulled this safety three more steps and that allowed us to complete the ball and make a big play. And so there's plenty of examples you can show your kids of the importance of a fake. Yeah. Great, great detail there, coach. And I appreciate you sharing that as far as your guys in the passing game, there's two aspects for them. They're going to catch the ball and they're going to protect. And you mentioned a little bit about, you know, what you guys do and getting together with the linebackers, but you know, running backs, a lot of times, you, you like those 200-pound guys, but even so, some of those linebackers and definitely those defensive ends, they have a size advantage. So how are you coaching up these guys to be able to get the leverage they need to win those blocks when they might be giving away, you know, 10, 15, 20 pounds? Great question. Now, this is a little, a little bit of discrepancy between maybe the college game and the high school game, except for the state of Texas, because in the state of Texas, their rules are such that they're like the college game. Uh, we can cut block in, in our league, and we don't, we don't cut a lot. I, I really think cut blocking, and what we mean by that is that's basically blocking somebody uh, below the waist. I think cut blocking should be a change up, a change of pace. And so sometimes you'll have a smaller back that's really not in a good matchup against a bigger linebacker or a bigger defensive end. And so sometimes I think, you know, there's the, the element of surprise with the cut block. But really, I, I, I think there's certain tips, there's certain bullet points, there's certain things that in pass protection that you you got to be able to have that we teach our backs. Number one is the most the, – the simplest, easiest way to explain it to a, a young player is this. We want to keep our butt between the quarterback and the rusher, okay? So if we had a camera mounted to our lower back, that camera should be looking at the quarterback at all times. So we just want to make sure we position our body, particularly our our belt buckle and our butt, where, hey, we're in between that pass rusher and where the quarterback's launch point is. That's why I think it's important that the backs understand, hey, when we're in the shotgun and we're throwing a a three-step drop or a drop-back pass, here's where he's going to throw from. 
or if we're sprinting out, he needs to understand that, hey, we're sprinting out, we're moving the pocket, so now, hey, my my, my belt buckle, my butt, it's going to change a little bit, but I always want to position myself between the rusher and where the quarterback is. Number two, I think, is, is this. You want to try to close the cushion to the rusher as much as you can. So, for example, if I'm in the shotgun or even if we're underneath or even if we're in the pistol and we're going to go block that outside linebacker or that defensive end rushing, we want the contact to happen as close to the line of scrimmage as we can get. And so we don't want to sit back there and wait on that guy to get a full head of steam and, and come, you know, mow us over. We want to close the cushion and get as close to the line of scrimmage as we can. Then I think it's really important for this, and this is probably one of the most common mistakes for an undersized player or really any size player. Get your cleats in the ground, okay? You can't block with one leg in the air. It might be in the air for an inch or two inches, but once you get your cleats off the ground and out of the turf, you lose leverage, you lose your power, you lose your, you know, you lose whatever strength you've got. So you got to make sure that your cleats are in the ground we want to keep our we want to punch with our hands inside and our thumbs up. We want to bow our neck and we want to have our eyes up and and looking at that target and our aiming point. Uh, we like to punch to the inside number if it's an outside rusher. If it's an inside rusher, like through the A gaps or the B gaps, we're going to try to go knee to knee, belt to belt, and punch right in the center of his of his numbers. But uh, we also talk about, hey, the first meaningful touch wins. It's just like a boxer. You're at an advantage when you get the first punch in. So we want to try to close cushion, get under control, and then punch and let us be the initial puncher as opposed to the pass rusher being the initial puncher. So I do think there's a lot of technique involved. This is something that we'll spend a lot of time on. We'll spend a lot of meeting time on. And uh, it's something that, hey, it can be a difference maker for us on Saturdays. Coach, on on the other part of the passing game is catching the football. And when you think about running backs, you know, a lot of times these guys, whether it's a swing pass or, you know, something into the flat, these guys are on the move and catching the ball looking back. So what kinds of things have you found most effective in helping these guys make that catch, stay on the run and, and be able to get maximum yards after the catch? Well, Keith, like I said, we, we start practice every day with two things. The first thing is a what we call the fumble pro. It's, it's a string attached to a little rope type deal where we, we work on ball security. And then we also get on the jugs machine. And, hey, I've been at some places that didn't have jugs machine. And so, hey, I was the one throwing it. But then a lot of times during practice, there might be a five-minute period where, for example, at Vanderbilt, the way it works out for me is a lot of times we'll do our PAT field goal practice during practice. And so what I'll do is instead of sitting over there and watching our kickers kick and, and the protection element and all that in PAT field goal, I'll grab the running back. And, and it's, it's an old-school series of ball drills that I'll do. Now, one of the things in those drills is I'm not going to throw them good passes. I'm, I'm, I'm getting older, but I can still throw the ball well. But I'm going to give them some balls where they've got to adjust. We may go through 
down and back, and I'm throwing them balls, and the first time I may throw it right at their nose as hard as I can as they're going down the field. Well, the next time we go, I'm going to throw it behind them, so they've got to do a full 360. The next time I may throw it at their shin, so they've got to bend, and now they want to probably put their pinkies together to make the catch. The next time I may have them coming straight at me, and I'm throwing the ball as hard as I can right at their face. The next time they're coming straight at me, and now they're having to catch it low below their knees. And so I, all, the next time we may run fade routes where they've got to adjust to a ball, which kind of simulates what we call a wheel route in our offense. And so I always want to try to give them balls where they're having to make those adjustments and they're having to control their bodies. And, and I think, and really through my experience, I think it's something that's really served us well because, for example, this year, we, we had a really good running back at Vanderbilt, Keyshawn Vaughn. He'll probably be a, I don't know, second, third round pick in the draft. Had a really solid junior, had a really solid senior season. Did not fumble the ball one time all season. We didn't lose a fumble all year. But after spring practice, Keyshawn and I met, and, and hey, what can you improve on? And I thought he could become a more smooth receiver. I thought he was he was good, but he was not an elite receiver. And those were the things that we talked about, is being able to adjust to a ball and being able to, to, to continue to stay smooth and to be smooth and not herky-jerky in how you do things. And that's something that this summer, this past summer, he really improved. And, and I think he took something that was just okay and he's made it a really good skill set for himself. And, you know, he caught 25 balls for us this year, didn't drop any. And, and I think it's something that uh, because of his hard work, it's something that, you know, hopefully will help make him a little more money next year. Coach, last question I, I have for you is on training running back vision. And, and of course, that's something you want to see. Those guys have the ability to do on film when you're watching them in high school, but I think it's always something that you have to be working on and refining. How do you guys train you know, the vision and being able to see things and make those explosive cuts? Well, Keith, that's a terrific question because I do think this. I think every play has one of three things when you talk about running back play. No, number one is, you know, what, what, is, what is my path? Okay, so for example, if we're running the outside zone play, this is my path. Okay, this is the angle that I'm going, how the quarterback's going to bring me the ball. Number two is after the path is, you know, where, what, what am I looking at? Okay, so what, what's my read going to tell me? So is, is my read the block of the end man on the line of scrimmage on outside zone? We're a team that, hey, we're going to read the end man's block, okay? And then last, how do I react to that? So I think you got to give them some nuggets in the sense that, hey, here's my path, okay? Really, even before we get to path, we talk about the footwork, okay? So here's my footwork, here's my path, here's my read. And so I think those are three things that every play has in the running game. And I think the best way you can probably show it and teach it you know, is like for the inside zone example. We call that belly footwork. Our path, depending on if we're underneath or in the gun or in the in the pistol, will be, let's just say, the inside leg of the offensive guard. And then our read 
would be frontside A gap, backside A gap, backside B gap. So you're always giving those players, okay, guys, here's the footwork we want. Here's the path that we're going to take to get the ball. Then once we get the ball, here's what my eyes need to be looking at. If the front side A gap is closed on inside zone, meaning, hey, there's somebody in that gap and we can't run through that gap because it's closed, then we're going to go to the backside A gap. And if that gap is closed, hey, we're going to go to the backside B gap. And if that gap is open, boom, we're going to take it. So I think you want to always give your guys, hey, make sure they know what's my footwork, what's my path, and then what are my eyes looking at. And to be honest, We've had four days of spring practice before, you know, we went on this, this, this break, I guess you might say. And that's something that we've got to do better. And, and I think one of the best ways to train that too is through video and just watch it and watch it and watch it. And, and obviously with technology and video like it is, you know, those kids have that camera now at their, at their back and that running back can really watch and say, you know, that front side a gap never closed. I need to take that. I need to take it. And so, and, and then another thing that we talk a lot about in this league, and I think sometimes in high school, it can be a little different because in the league that we're in, it's a North South one cut. You, you can't go sideways in our league because if you go sideways, everybody on defense is probably just as fast as you are. And so sometimes in high school, you can get by with that because that running back may be the fastest guy on the field by far. And so we talk about a lot of one cut north and south running, but it all starts with my footwork and my path. And then what am I reading? Well, coach, I really appreciate the detail you gave us today on the running back position. It was great to catch up with you again, as always. And, you know, as as I told you before, you're welcome on our podcast anytime, and we really appreciate what you do for the game. Well, Keith, let me say this in closing. We appreciate what you do for the game because, hey, I, I listen to your podcast to help myself learn and grow and get nuggets from the different coaches that are on it, and we just appreciate your service to the game. You've, you've helped make make our game better, and you help – you help coaches improve. And, and for that, we just say thank you to you. And, and we just appreciate what you do. And, and you know if there's anything we can ever do to help you here at Vanderbilt, please don't hesitate to call. I appreciate that, Coach. Coaches, again, want to remind you of what we're doing with the football development model. Please push this down to your youth coaches. I think this is a great way for you to get some organization and structure beyond what you've already done uh, check it out, all of our, our program development for youth football at fdm.usafootball.com. Again, check out our systems for blocking, tackling, and defeating blocks at footballdevelopment.com. If you register with your email, you get your choice of three free videos. There's some great things in there. I think things that as you get going again, you can get into the summer and maybe make up on some things that you might have lost if you had a spring ball, if you had time here in the spring to work on football. Some great drills for all those phases of contact. If you're enjoying the podcast, please have it over to iTunes or your platform and give us a five-star rate. If you have a minute, write a review. We really appreciate it, and we will read your review on our highlight show that we do at the end of the week. 